And welcome once again to another edition of A Plain Answer here at Redeemer Broadcasting. I'm Dan Elmendorf. On the Skype line with us today is Daniel Turner, founder and executive director of Power the Future. Daniel, it's an honor to have you on with us today. Oh, Dan, thank you very much for having me. It's great to be with you and your audience. We kind of follow you from afar, and we appreciate you and the work that you're doing. Um, To get us started, can you tell our listeners a little bit about Power of the Future, and then we'll have a bunch of questions after that. Sure. I'd be happy to. I started this organization about five years ago. Um, It is a, a nonprofit um, and we're an advocacy organization. And the reason why I started it is because I found a huge disconnect between uh, Washington, D.C. and our energy policy. And I had been working in D.C. politics for some 20 years and was at various places from, from the Senate to the, the Bush administration and uh, different PR shops, etc. Um, but I found a huge disconnect between energy policy, the folks who make it, who are in D.C. or they're impact, influenced by power brokers in New York and San Francisco and the people who are directly impacted by it. And that's mm. rural America and that's where my heart is. I, I have a, a sheep and cattle farm in, in Shenandoah in Virginia. So I, I live in rural America. I love rural America. And the, the men and women who produce our oil, gas and coal and, and, and our pipeline welders and our frackers, etc., they're all in rural communities. And, and when the power brokers of D.C decide we're going to ban this or we're going to shut down that mine no one ever thinks about those folks in rural communities who are impacted so power of the future wants to bridge that divide well it's wonderful um i I, full disclosure i uh after the past let's say five years of watching what's going on in america i have become 100 percent in favor of fossil fuels and I, I, I love fossil fuels. They're mm-hmm. a blessing from God. Um, they're not the um, disaster that people make believe that they are. And maybe you can talk to that a little bit. Uh, why don't we jump right in? Um, can you tell us why fossil fuels are not our enemy? They're, they're not. And, and I, I consider myself the nation's uh, greatest fossil fuel advocate. It's a title <laughs> I've given myself. Um, but I am with you on, on multiple levels, and we can talk about it from economic levels. We can talk about it from uh, just general humanitarian. But I, but this is a Redeemer broadcast, and that's why I'm happy to talk about it from from uh, uh, an even religious side. Yes. Although that may not float in the halls of uh, the power circles of DC. Um, <laughs> But but there is something magnificent about the fact that God has blessed our nation with an abundance of oil and gas and coal. And there's something magnificent about the, 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 the gift he has given mankind to take these products and turn them into millions and millions of things that make our life better. Fossil fuels are the great equalizer. Uh, and, and and what I mean by that is before 1850, the history of – really the history of mankind on this earth is one of misery and hardship and, and cold, hunger, uh, um, um, just it, it, life's – Man's life on earth is a drudgery, as Job said, right? But fossil fuels suddenly gave us this great equilibrium that now – okay, yes, Bill Gates has, has more – yachts than we do but his iphone is no better than your iphone <laughs> right and and his internet connection is no better than this internet connection so suddenly the the masses because of fossil fuels were able to have things like warmth 
in the winter time and cooler weather in in uh, cold air air conditioning in 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 the in the extreme heat and they were able to have food and store food and medicines and and then just even if they're creature comforts the many things that just make our life uh, uh, enjoyable suddenly the masses could go see the Eiffel Tower before 1850. Who, who traveled the world, right? <laughs> who who was able to see um, uh, the Colosseum in Rome or go to the south of France? Only the rich, right? Now travel and okay. Bill Gates again to use him as the example. He probably has a nicer hotel room. But if you and your beloved family decided I want to go to London, you can go, and that's all because of fossil fuels. It, it has given us a life. That has brought about abundance and prosperity and, of course, dignity because there's nothing dignified about being poor and hungry and starving. Mm. And so the countries that are furthest from fossil fuels are the dirtiest. They are the sickest. They are the unhealthiest. They are the most hungry. And, and that is God blessing humanity. It's God blessing America with these naturally found products that we've turned into prosperity, dignity, happiness, and 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 that's why I will always be a fossil fuel oh, yeah. believer. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, I do see some um, electric vehicles on the road, but maybe not as many as I would have thought, considering that uh, the government is giving them an unfair advantage in the yeah. marketplace. So any yeah. comments about that? Yeah, I have nothing personally opposed to electric vehicles. Right. I I would never own one. I don't like the way they're made. I don't like the the amount of 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 wealth that it generates for China, uh, mm-hmm. who makes the majority of the parts and etc. But but I'm not trying to use the power of government to ban them. No. However, we do have a current administration that is trying to use the power of government to ban the combustion engine. Correct. And and yeah, you're you're raising a great point. No matter how much money government spends, and boy, they have spent hundreds of billions in direct subsidies to buy an EV, in direct uh, subsidies to the EV companies to produce them. You can't really force people into your lifestyle uh, unless you start using coercion and and punishment, punitive measures, and and that's what the government is, is resorting res- resorting to. The reason why I wouldn't also buy it is I mentioned I live in rural America. EVs make a little bit of sense if you drive. 15-mile commute mm-hmm. in the morning and you park in an office and your office has a charging station. But if you haul things and I haul cattle and sheep and if you need to drive long distances, they're not practical. Not right now. Yeah. And and and, and government wanting them, willing them into existence, deus ex machina, is not going to make them more practical. And so you really got to mm. worry when yeah. the government says, well, you know, you're going to use this EV or else, kind of reminds you of like wearing a mask, doesn't it? Like you will comply <laughs> or you will be arrested. Yes. Wow. Yes. That's, that's, that's how the founders envisioned it 250 oh, years ago. Oh, my goodness. Huh? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's really true. I see you've become jaded like me. Uh, good, for, good for you. Now, you, uh, you grew up, I believe, in Queens, New York, and now you're living someplace where there's a farm. Um, farm equipment notoriously will use diesel, some, some gas. And, um, oh, that reminds me, too. 
one of the um, outages, major outages, you know, where the where the trucks had to go out and put up the wires and put the poles in and everything, I happened to notice, I just happened to notice that every single one of those trucks was a fossil-fueled truck. In fact, I wouldn't even want an electric truck out there, given the, the current state of where it is. Yeah, I, I agree with you, and and that is because of just the pure physics involved yeah. in the in the potential energy of of hydrocarbons, and uh, you're not going to get again as of now. I don't know what the future holds. That's why I called my company Power the Future because I don't know what the future holds. Yes. But as of now, you're not going to get the same potential energy from an electric battery as you do from fossil fuels. That's why our big machinery from our cross-Pacific tankers to our aircraft to uh, big trucks and rigs and digging equipment and earth-moving equipment. It's why it all runs on fossil fuels because they just – they have the, the power to, to drive these motors. Again, I don't know what the future will bring. I know people way smarter than I am are, are trying to, to fix this you know, or, or, or come up with the solution. But I also know that that solution right now is being developed by people who require – a robust fossil fuel lifestyle. So if we punish ourselves now, we're not giving ourselves a better tomorrow. We're giving ourselves a worse one. There's another aspect to this. I don't know if people have thought of a couple more aspects that are inconsistencies, but they're major, major inconsistencies. And and one is plastics. Plastics depend on oil, (laughs) fossil fuels. And I look around the office here and I see everything's plastic and and yeah. we would not have a broadcast ministry if it weren't for plastics which means if it weren't for fossil fuels we'd 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 go off the air we couldn't possibly survive um the other aspect that's an inconsistency be, before you comment um is the electric grid um you know they're pushing electric cars okay i get it but uh they're not improving the electric grid in fact, uh, in New York State, just just north of of New York City, they shut down a nuclear reactor, and I love nuclear reactors. I think they're safe. They they they're very compact for the amount of power they generate. So I'll let you comment about plastics and nuclear reactors and the grid, if you will. Sure, plastics is just another great example of the myriad products that are generated from from hydrocarbons, uh, uh, whether it's oil that produces plastics and rubbers and millions of other products, or natural gas that produces things like fertilizers and phosphates, and that allows us to grow so much food for, for all the world. Uh, um, and a lot of these things are, are forged from the heat of coal. And, and so I always marvel when people say, well, we have to get rid of coal, for example, because <laughs> it's bad for the environment, but you have to burn coal to make wind turbines and solar panels and, and process all of these metals and minerals and rare earths that are needed for EVs. So why is that coal okay to burn, but, yeah. but the coal for electricity is bad? And no, one, no one's ever had an answer to that question for me. So yeah, r- rubber and plastic, and think of also the the dignity of. I'm sure you have a lot of uh, first responders and and doctors and nurses oh, yes. who listen to your program. Think of think of their lives and the amount of dignity it has brought to the sick because your your IV tubes, your your needle, so thin, almost yes. painless when it goes in to the arm, forged from the heat of coal. 
yeah. uh, steel, steel, and and forged with coal. Um, the amount of tubing um, for IV tubes and and machinery, and even the chemicals themselves, the drugs that are curing diseases, all derivatives of fossil fuels. Yeah, yeah and, and so the the dignity it's brought to the sick, and and so when people say we want to get rid of fossil fuels, the question is, well, then wh- who should die? Quite frankly, I, I mean, it yes. is that harsh. Yes. Who who does not deserve the right medical treatment? Who does not deserve the right cancer treatment? Or, or you hear all the time the call for um, depopulation, po- growing, uh, curbing oh, population. Yes. Who who what what people should die? I just that's a very simple question. I know it, and it's a harsh one to say, but I mean it with all of the harshness that it entails. What populations should cease to exist? Just point, is it India? Is, is it Africa? Is it, it Certainly not your family, right? People like John Kerry, uh, who along with his adopted wife has uh, five kids and numerous grandkids, uh, his, sorry, his second wife, um, he will say that we need population control. Well, are the Kerrys going to call themselves? Are your kids going to refrain from having grandkids, like wait, what? What populations deserve to not reproduce for this cause? And no one ever wants to have that conversation. But that's where we're going. Nuclear. I'm with you all the way, Dan. Uh, it's, it's it's cheap. It's reliable. Eighty percent of the electricity in France is generated by nuclear, mm. and they sell it to their neighbors at a premium. So if it's good enough for the French. You'd think it'd be good enough for the <laughs> Americans, right? <laughs> Sorry, yeah. a little stereotypical French joke. Sorry, friends. Oh, well, that's, that's, that's great. <laughs> I, I just love nuclear, and I, I kid with my friends now and then. I say, I would love to have a nuclear plant in my backyard, you know, a little one. Of course, I couldn't get away with it, but I would, I would do it in a heartbeat. One of these days, I want to talk with a representative from the Navy or whatever and, and talk about the ships and the submarines and the small nuclear plant that they have on board that the men sleep right next to, and it's perfectly safe, and they can stay underground as long as their food uh, food supply is what runs out there. So it, yeah. it's, uh, it's a wonderful invention. And it's, and it's a brilliant point you raise because why is it illegal internationally? Is it illegal for commercial vehicles to use nuclear power and yeah. for, for nautical purposes, right? Don't you think the cruise ship industry would love to have nuclear power? Oh, yeah. How much less expensive or, or, or more affordable would cruises cost? How much sure. greener would it be? But they're not allowed, right? Yeah. Transatlantic, transpacific tankers, they're not allowed to have nuclear power. But, but our, our representatives who pass those laws will say, like, that's ah, dangerous, but you have no problem sending an 18-year-old Iowa farm boy to live next to a nuclear reactor for eight months underwater. That's right. And so why why is it not – again, just, just ongoing conversations that we need to have in this space. And that's – we're getting into the heart of my organization because the people who make these policies are so far removed from, from this industry and the men and women that are affected by it. And yet, boy, it's they make these policies yeah. flippantly, flippantly without any, any consultation. I wish more people uh, had some of your experience of, of, of basically running a farm, raising animals, mm. and getting the raw materials and creating food and, and that sort of thing. Uh, it's like farmers have their head on straight. Um, I love <laughs> I love farmers. Uh, we have a few in this town, and when you talk to them, it's like immediate common sense. And and common sense is is a rare commodity 
in Washington D.C. It seems. Yes, it is, and that's and that's a huge problem. And and what I'm doing in in energy policy, there are so many great patriots who are doing similar things in education policy and foreign policy and and life issue policies. And we talk about common sense, but it is a disappearing trait. There's so much extremism coming from from really from forces of evil uh, when it comes to all of these issues. Uh, and and there's so much money behind them. There's so much power at stake um, that you. Have, I would think my issues, uh, energy issues, w- would be simple because it's it's not as sexy as the school choice or the trans issue, yeah. right? But the same amount of hatred and vitriol that they have towards a pro-life group, they will have towards a pro-fossil fuel group. Oh yeah, and then and then you realize, oh, there are a lot bigger things at stake, right? This is this is almost C.S. Lewis esque. This is not just yes. a policy. It's it's much deeper than that. Yes, I, the other day I spent a little bit of time reading on the other side. My stomach usually can't take it, but I followed a few on Twitter and I started reading. And one of the things that came to my mind was that these folks are very heavily funded. They are mm-hmm. they are billionaires. They are extremely rich organizations. Um, and and um, so we we have no small task before us because because our can I say this our enemy is deeply funded and and yes. that that leads to a. Um, one of your projects, I think, on your website, you mentioned where green meets red, how the environmental agenda is making America dependent on China. And I would rewrite that and say in de- um, dependent on the Communist Chinese Party. Can yes. you explain that a little bit? So this is a white paper we put out for members of Congress, for decision makers, uh, and for the average American. You can read it on our website at powerthefuture.com. It is not a very uh, uh, esoteric uh, – you don't need a degree in, in, in physics to understand it. Mm-hmm. But we wanted to just walk through the current green agenda as pushed by President Biden, especially under that so-called Inflation Reduction Act, which has allocated – over a billion, over excuse me, over a trillion dollars towards this investing in green, and the it's president talked about it. It is. It's it's, it's a tremendous amount of money. Um, we're going to invest in wind, invest in solar, and all these things sound like we're doing things for the American people, but we're not because what we wanted to walk through in this white paper is is how much of this is made. In China, 70% plus of the manufacturing of these products is done in China. Reprehensible labor practices, right? There's no unions, there's no OSHA, there's no, there's no EPA. There, you have nine-year-old girls or, or religious minorities who are in slave camps, um, basically in concentration camps. Mm-hmm. So that's 70% of the manufacturing, but 90 to 95% of the raw materials markets are controlled by China. And this is China's footprint around the world. We need a tremendous amount of cobalt for all of these technologies. Uh, the majority of the cobalt mines, o- almost 100% of them, are owned uh, and by China, um, but they're operated in places like the Congo. And they use slave labor as, as young as four years of age to, wow. to, dig out, to dig out cobalt mines. And no one cares about it. Right, no, no international group, no humanitarian, no. The United Nations has never addressed it. 
Amnesty, Amnesty International is the only one who has tried to bring some attention to this, that there are an estimated 40,000 children who are working in slave camps the, uh, as young as four years of age. Yes. And, and it doesn't rattle anyone on the environmental left. And so when you say, well, we're going to get rid of fossil fuels and we're going to have solar panels, well, just know you we're going to enslave more children worldwide to do that. And, that is and, true. That yeah, is absolutely true. It is, and it's tragic, and yet no one in the green movement cares. Not no, a, no. not an iota. No, they, they don't. don't care. In fact, I'm I'm. I, this is shocking, but I'm starting to realize I'm not sure they really care that much about the Earth, but rather their power structure and having control over people. And I know that's accusatory, but nope. this is this is the opinion I'm coming to as I read their writings. They. They, in fact, there was one guy that he was saying basically, well, it's a good idea to turn your lights off at night because of the migratory birds smashing into people's windows. And I'm thinking, oh, I get it. He's setting us up for these rolling blackouts that most surely will come if we follow his agenda. How many people listening to this podcast have ever had a migratory bird crash into their house at nighttime? <laughs> Right, and this is where these people it's are true. just absolutely insane. Yeah. You don't really even see that many birds fly in the dark because it's dark. Um, bats maybe, but they don't fly into windows. But you're absolutely <laughs> right. That's why you you have to liken the green movement to the COVID movement. The yeah. only mistake the COVID movement did is that they were too fast, too quick. Yes, uh, COVID was over and done in two and a half, or maybe it's not even done, but it was a two-year window. The Green Movements have been doing this for 40 years, and, and the principles are exactly the same. Uh, uh, you have to scare everybody. Scare tactics are absolutely essential. You're going to die from this virus, or you're going to die of climate change, particularly scare children. Right, You need absolute and total control over the information. And if you don't believe it, you're a denier. And if you do put this out, we need Facebook and Twitter and Skype to shut you down because you are peddling in misinformation oh, yeah. and a threat to democracy. Right, You get to exempt yourself if you're one of the powerful. Nancy Pelosi got her hair done during COVID. Gavin Newsom went to dinner with friends. John Kerry has a private jet. And if you ask them, they will say it's okay they're exempted. Right, they're allowed to be exempted because they they have a very important role to play. Yes. And there's never there's never an end. Right, COVID is still not done. They're telling you get ready, the new variants on its way, and the planet people will never say that we've solved climate change. You can talk about how we've lowered emissions by twenty percent since two thousand, and we have not good enough. Right, you can you can throw out a million numbers and statistics. Doesn't matter. It's a battle that is ongoing. And as you just said, Dan, it is not about the planet. It is about control. It is about power. It is about money. And this is the guise under which they hide their their uh, basically communist agenda. Yeah, they use the earth to hide. So true. Well, somebody is going to be upset at our discussion today, but so be it. I believe it's the truth. I did want to mention this before we go. Um, there's an important concept in the scripture regarding the earth and mankind's responsibility in Genesis one twenty eight, And God blessed them. God said unto them, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it, have dominion over the fish of the sea, over 
over the fowl of the air and over every living thing that moves upon the earth. And that's that's a healthy perspective of dealing with planet Earth. We're not going to destroy it. Christians certainly don't want to. We don't want to pollute it. But I do not consider CO2 to be a pollutant. It's rather a gas of life. You, you take the final word. It's a it's a beautiful verse that really highlights the way I see the role of, of fossil fuel in the energy space with our relationship with Mother Earth. If you leave nature to itself, nature is brutal and vicious. Those wildfires you see, yes. that is nature. Hurricanes, tornadoes, that is nature. What fossil fuels have allowed us to do is it allowed us to control to subdue the earth so that yes. we can live we can live despite horrible storms, despite horrible lightning, despite fire. Um, but when you remove humans uh, humanity, when you remove the fossil fuel economy from the earth, you don't get a tame earth. You get a wild and 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 crazy earth, and then humans suffer. So again, fossil fuels have allowed us. To 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 uh, to implement that that mandate from God in creation to subdue the earth and and live in harmony with it, but live as masters of it the way God has intended, and and Amen. that's the way I see our role. Well put. Our guest today is Daniel Turner, and Daniel, take the last minute and uh, give an address where people can look you up. Any reference to a book, article, whatever. Uh, Daniel at PowerTheFuture.com. I love to hear from folks. I've been going around the country a lot doing small uh, um, town halls where there's these big pushes to sell your land to wind turbine companies, mm. to solar panel companies. If that's happening to you, reach out to me, Daniel at PowerTheFuture.com. I'm leaving this Saturday, the 16th for one in a small town in Kansas. Um, this is what we do is we fight for, for rural America and we fight for the fossil fuel industry. And I am thrilled to have been on your program today, Dan. So thank you very much. Well, thank you, Daniel. And dear listener, this uh, this group is worthy of your support. And uh, for Redeemer Broadcasting, I'm Dan Elmendorf. Daniel, God bless you and keep up the good work. Thank you, Dan. And dear listener, please join us next week for another edition of A Plain Answer. <laughs> 